That was a blessing. Thank the Lord for that. Sometimes, well, if you ever really hear the gospel of God's mercy and grace, it's almost too much to take in, is it? <laughs> you think of yourself as being so unworthy, and you hear this grace and this mercy, and it just keep the Lord keeps having mercy on you. Uh, his mercies are new every morning, aren't they? And uh, you think it's just too much. You can't. You think, but you can't. You can't exhaust God's mercy, can you? Can I keep saying it? Just there's more to follow. <laughs> It's too much. You can't. You can't ask for too much. It's like asking for a little water out of the ocean. Is hope it doesn't run dry. Don't have to worry about that. My granddaughter, oldest granddaughter, she was very young. She had quite an appetite. She's one of the stoniker children. You know, they have an appetite. And uh, she, her mother, would tell her every now and then at the table she'd, she'd just be gobbling it up you know it's other people's table and she said or she'd tell Isabel no, that's too much don't get too much <laughs> well one day she was eating with us and she said to her me mom me mom I want too much <laughs> load her up you can't ask too much of our Lord. You remember when he asked, who was the fellow? He said, ask me a great sign. Ahaz, wasn't it? In Isaiah. Ask me a great sign. Isaiah 7. Ask me something. Anything. He said, you can't weary God. Ask Him. Do you not delight to give your children anything to ask for? If it's good for them, you will. Won't you? That's our God, isn't it? Go with me to Luke chapter... Four. Luke chapter 4. I was going through some uh, old notes. I looking for something to preach here. and I preached this uh, 12 years ago. I'm sure you remember it well. <laughs> Maybe I do remember... I feel like I failed miserably, so Brother Don will try her again twelve years later. Same message. I mean not the same notes or anything like but it's the exact same message. Hope learn a little something, but uh and thank you for having me. I I, I think you know how I feel about this congregation, your blessed pastor. Man, we go way back, don't we? Way back. Way back. I, when, what year did Dad first come here? Uh, 80, 1980. 1980. Well, I came here, I think, the year after that, or maybe that. That's, that's a long time in there. That's a uh, long time. <laughs> and, uh, oh, man, we've been done, and I've been dear friends ever since, and so many others are still here, and so many have gone, and miss them. Miss them. And uh, old friends are special, aren't they? Yes. Old friendships, brotherhood, been together a long time, been through a lot of things together, wept together, laughed together. Uh, need to maintain those friendships, don't we? Yes. Need to guard them, need to nurture them, need to don't let anything happen to them. Yes. And uh, I'm thankful for Brother Don and Shirley. Thank you, everything. This church. Luke chapter 4, read with me. Um, Verse uh, six, verses sixteen through uh, 
22. Luke 4, 16 through 22. He, our Lord Jesus Christ, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And this is Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me. And I believe he he emphasized me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Gracious word. That's the subject, that's the title, gracious word. The Lord came to Nazareth where he had been brought up to preach. To preach. It says in another place that he went into every village and every town to preach. He said to his apostles, he said, let us go into the next town for that's why I came, to preach the gospel. That's why I was sent. To preach, to preach, to preach. Don't you love to hear preaching? Good, good preaching. <laughs> Gospel preaching. Good preaching. There's nothing bad preaching going around. I don't want to hear it. I remember one time Brother Don, uh, Todd Nybert and I were sitting in a meeting somewhere a long time ago. And, and uh, we were the only good, pre- <laughs> good preachers there. <laughs> I mean, the rest of these fellas. Were, we were sitting there listening to one of these fellas and getting more and more nauseated. And Brother Todd slipped me a note, and I read it, and I laughed out loud. And everybody looked at it. That note said, he quoted something by Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, if some preachers were sentenced to a lifetime of in, in, in hell listening to their own preaching, they would say with Cain of old, my punishment is greater than I could bear. <laughs> <laughs> Good for all Our Lord was a preacher. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. No. Are you? No. Oh my. God's people aren't ashamed of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel of Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God to those that are being saved. This is the gospel. This is the means that the Lord used to save my soul and your soul, wasn't it? You love to hear the gospel preached. Preaching, I'm ashamed to be uh, linked with most of these so-called preachers today, aren't you? When people find out you, you introduce you as a preacher, you're ashamed of it because all the foolishness goes on. 
But the Scripture says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The Lord God, God in heaven had one son and he was a preacher. That makes this office, that makes what we're doing vital to us, vitally important. Why did God choose preaching? Why did God choose preaching? That's the means. And you won't find, no one is saved apart from the preaching of the gospel. You won't find an example in the scripture of anybody being saved apart from the preaching of the gospel. Is that right? Yeah. Why did God choose preaching? Well, number one, you know, we don't need another reason. Because he did. Do we need to ask? <laughs> because he did. But secondly, it humbles man. It humbles the pride of man. It does. We've got to sit down and shut our mouths and listen as a man stands up and proclaims God's word. And it's in, declar- or it's, it's in demonstration of the spirit and the power of God to lay hold of a, of a often an unlearned nobody from nowhere and fill him with the spirit of God and the power of preaching and save souls through that means. That's of God in it. When the, the apostles, many uh, people knew Simon Peter. They saw him as a rough, gruff longshoreman, uh, fisherman, didn't they? They probably grew up with him. And to hear him preach like he did and, and that very word touch them, that's got to be of God, doesn't it? It's got to be of God. I was listening to a fellow one time on a, on a, a cassette tape or CD or something. And, and I know this. I've known him a long time. And he, he's not eloquent. He's not uh, gifted. He's not... Uh, in in private conversation, he's not able to, to, to have you know uh, high thoughts and, and things like that, and he's just not a gifted fellow. He doesn't have a lot of education. But I was listening to him preach, and it was such a blessing. It was obvious that God was speaking through this man. You know who it was? It's me. <laughs> Seriously, you ever done that, brother God? Yes, I, I know you have, brother Lad. He said, not, really. <laughs> we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's an excellency of power might be of God, not of men. Otherwise, men and higher and more educated and gifted and all that wouldn't sit and listen to a, a nobody. But it's of God. It? And another reason is so that people will sit, come and hear the preaching from then on. You have to have it. You can't do without it. Right? But once you've been blessed and spoken to by God through His Word, you've got to keep coming here. It doesn't matter who the fellow is. That's why the Lord was a preacher. He preached. Please God by the foolishness of preaching. Well, He came to Nazareth. Where he'd been brought up. Look at verse 16. He'd been brought up in Nazareth. It wasn't Nazareth blessed. <laughs> oh my, Capernaum. That's a, it was, Capernaum was called his city. He went there and stayed there a lot. And uh, that, that's where he came back to and went and came and went. It wasn't Capernaum and Nazareth. Well, where were these places? They were nothing. Like uh, Rocky Mount, Virginia, Crossfield, Tennessee. I've been coming here a long time. I remember, remember when this was a one red light town, yeah, one horse town. You tell the average person across, going to Crossfield, Tennessee, to even now, where? Well, isn't this a blessed place? 
Isn't this a blessed place? My, my, Nazareth was so blessed. It's where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, verse 16, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for the read. There's a couple of ways to look at that. It was a Jewish custom that when a young man would come home, when he turned 30, that's the age of manhood, the Jew, that he would stand up in his hometown and, and read the Scriptures. Kind of a rite of passing. That was a Jewish custom. So it was, it was his turn. He came, came home. But I look, a little, look at this a little deeper. His custom, he was accustomed to always being in the synagogue. I believe that Joseph, I, I don't know when Joseph died, but it's obvious that Joseph died at some point before him. Our Lord became an adult and married, but they took him to the, the temple, didn't they? From a child, from a baby, and uh, they were, jo- Joseph was a just man. Mary was a believer, and they took that child to the temple every year. And I'm sure they went to a tabernacle where they heard a man preach. And my parents did too. Timothy's parent or mother and grandmother did. And that's a good thing to come become accustomed to, isn't it? I remember thinking that my parents were, uh, you know, treating me cruelly, <laughs> having me sit in the worship service all the time. The best thing you can do for your children. And not going to be saved apart from hearing this word. You've got to know the script, hear the word, which is able to make them wise unto salvation. Well, it was his custom. Wherever you would find the Lord. I mean, wherever you would find the Lord's people worshiping, the Lord was there. And He still is. He still is. He went to the synagogue, as His custom was, always. He was accustomed to doing that. And He came into the synagogue. Well, He stood up for to read. And they delivered unto Him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And He opened the book. They delivered Him the book to read. The book, the book, the book. Don't you love... The book. Don't you love this book in your in your lap? And I do hope you have a book in your lap and not a, a, a device. Seriously. I'm very serious. He opened the book and they saw it. And over in Nehemiah, and I'm not going to put on this too long, but I'm, I'm being very serious here. Over in Nehemiah chapter 8, it says they built a pulpit of wood. And, I, and, and Nehemiah and all the men stood up in the pulpit to read the book. And they read from morning till, till evening, didn't they? And the people were attentive. But it says the pulpit was for that purpose, for them to stand up and read the book. And it says he opened the book in the sight of all the people. In other words, all the people clearly saw he's reading to us from the book. Is that important? You need to know that the man standing up here is not reading the U.S. News and World Report. He's got the book. And that's where he's reading from. We're reading from the book, aren't we? I remember, well, I don't remember, but it was told me when my father-in-law, 19, when was it, 1968, 1968, he was in false religion and someone invited him to come here, Henry Mahan, preach. And his daughter, Mandy, was nine years old. He took her and the family to hear Henry Mahan preach. Now he didn't know anything. He had Ballard. He didn't know anything. He didn't know the Lord. He didn't know anything. But the Lord was 
make created an interest in him, a thirst. He was becoming discontent where he was. He wasn't hearing something. He told his preacher, Brad, where he was. First Christian church or something like that. He said to him, he was getting discontented like those men in the cave. He told that preacher, he said, I don't know what I'm not hearing, but I'm not hearing something. <laughs> and he actually said, I need to hear some hell's fire and damnation or something. Well, that's what it was because they're not preaching the book. And wherever you go, you've been to some of these places. They're not preaching God's word. That's what he told young Timothy. He said, Preach the word, Timothy. In season, out of season. It's out of season now, isn't it, Brother Gary? Most preachers, so called, use this as a prop to wave around or run around a pulpit, don't they, Brother Don? Just wave it around and not preaching it. Line upon line. Well, my father in law sat there and heard a preacher of the word. And you know what he came away saying? He said, when he first heard it, I don't know what he's saying, but he's getting it out of the book. <laughs> Didn't he? He's preaching the Bible. This is the book. Whose book? God's book. You know, when people write a book that's supposed to be an authority on a subject, like handguns or something, they say it's the handgun Bible on it. The Bible, that's the word they use. It's the Bible on building uh, chicken coops or whatever. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. In other words, that, that lends credence to it, validity to it. This is, this is the authority on the subject. This is the book. That's it. This is God's book. It's the first and last word on the subject. Any subject. Name something. This is the authority of it. And the book was made flesh. And dwell among them. What does that say about the uh, depravity of man? The de rebellion of man? They'd rather read and hear anybody or anything but Him. The Word. What does that say? Listen to anybody and everybody. Proverbs. How many Proverbs are Eight or nine hundred Proverbs alone. Solomon wrote three thousand. You hear anybody quoting one? What does that say? Do you love this book? Do you love to read it? Revelation 1 says, Blessed is he that reads it. That, that has the words of this book. The read it, the words of this book. Do you love to read this book? That's of God, brethren. Do you love to hear it? Do you love to hear it read? Do you love to hear it preached? Do you? Oh, and blessed are they that keep it, that lay hold on it, that believe it. Do you believe this book? Do you believe God's Word? Do you believe all of it? Yes. Even who swept the wheel? Oh, yeah. That's of God. The book. The book. He opened it in the sight of the people. The book. What a blessing this book is. You know what it took to, for us to get a copy of this book? People were burned at the stake. For, were burned at the stake so you and I could have an English language copy of that. Bless God for the book. The book. He opened it. He opened the book. Now, this is not the last time he opened the book. <laughs> In the end, he's going to open the book. Well, when Revelation 5, it says, it says there was a book written. And I heard an angel say, who's worthy to open the book? No man in heaven could open the book. And I wept much because nobody could read the book. And the line of the tribe of Judah came and took the book. And opened it up. 
He's the first and last subject on uh, word on every subject. <laughs> uh, heard, don't you love to hear it read? Read. And you need to hear it read by somebody that knows the writer of it. Don't you? Can you imagine the Lord Jesus Christ reading this book? Now they delivered unto him the book. <laughs> he didn't need a copy of the book. But that, that proves my point, doesn't it? He opened it in their sight. He didn't need He wrote it. It's all right here. It's all right here, isn't it? He didn't need a copy of the book, but he did. He opened it to the side of the people. If they'd have known who this was, they would have said, Oh, Word of God incarnate, speak to us. Wouldn't it? Here, find something to read. And they gave me the book. Well, he opens it, opened it to the, the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. And he found the place where it was written, Isaiah 61. Now, our Lord could have... Now, the Scripture says, To Him give all the prophets witness. Our Lord Himself said, They of the Scripture, They are they which testify of Me. He could have turned anywhere. They gave Him the book of Isaiah, the scroll, the roll, whatever it was made of. They gave him the book of Isaiah. He could have turned anywhere and read anything and said, this day is this Scripture fulfilling your record. Couldn't he? He could have turned to Isaiah 6. When Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, he could have said, this day is this Scripture fulfilling your record. I'm here. He could have turned to Isaiah 7. Emmanuel, called his name Emmanuel, God with us. He could have said, this day is this Scripture fulfilling your record. He could have turned to Isaiah 9, couldn't he? A child is born, a son is given. Call his name Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He could have turned there, couldn't he? And it said, this day is this Scripture fulfilled. You're in. He could have turned to Isaiah 11, the rod of Jesse, this day. Isaiah 25, He'll swallow up death and victory. It'll be said in that day, this is our God. We've waited on Him. He'll save us. He could have said, this day is the Scripture fulfilled your vision. Couldn't it? He could have turned to Isaiah 32, The King shall reign in righteousness. A man shall be a hiding place. This day is the Scripture fulfilled your vision. He could have turned to Isaiah 42, Behold my servant, mine elect. He'll bring forth judgment. This day is a scripture fulfilled near you. Couldn't it? He could have turned to Isaiah 49, a light to the Gentiles, <laughs> a covenant of the people. This day is a scripture fulfilled. He could have turned to Isaiah 53. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief, led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before shears his tongue. So he opened not his mouth. Wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. By his stripes we're healed. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your head. Couldn't it? But he, but he turned to Isaiah 61. This is what he chose. And after he preached, they, they wondered at the gracious words out of his mouth. Now, if this isn't proof of God's absolute sovereign revelation of the truth and electing grace, this whole story here. They said after he read, they said, what gracious words. A few minutes later, I want to throw him off the cliff. 
Why? What did he preach after that? Election. Sovereign election. We don't like that. If that isn't proof of God's sovereign saving, electing grace of a people, revealing it to whom, if you love the truth, <laughs> you're chosen. You're chosen. God loves you. But He chose Isaiah 61. Here's what He read. Isaiah 6, uh, look at Luke 4, verse 18. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's The name Christ, Christos, means anointed one. Doesn't it? He is the anointed one. He is the one anointed of God. He's the prophet. He's the priest. He's the king. He's the mediator. He's the advocate. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's, he's all. You know, he's all the fullness of God in a Godhead bodily. He is all. He is it. He's the anointed one. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit. That is, the Spirit of God declared Him to be at His baptism. This is He. This is the one. This is the one. No, There is no other. You need a prophet? Like the woman at the well said, when Christ has come, He'll tell us everything. Christ said, I mean, you need a priest, someone to, to to go into the holy of holy with the with the precious blood of a lamb to offer up one sacrifice forever for your sin. Christ said, "I'm him. I'm the priest. He's the king. What do you need? He's got it all. Has all the storehouse. He's the king. He's he's the anointed one." He said the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Now you hear fellas say that today, don't you? And anytime you ever hear somebody say that, you mark them off immediately. I got the anointing. You hear them say that all the time, don't you? I got the anointing. I got spirit filled. Isaiah, I, I, I'm certain, like Isaiah 53, he he didn't fully understand what he was writing when he wrote that day. He sure wasn't speaking. The eunuch, the eunuch, when Philip when Philip came down there. To preach to the eunuch, the eunuch said, Does he speak of himself or another man? And Philip said, He sure wouldn't speak of himself. And he, he preached Christ to him, didn't he, Gary? And, and Isaiah wasn't speaking this of himself. And neither does any preacher of the gospel does. No, no, no. Even the Spirit of God doesn't speak of himself. And real Spirit-blessed, filled preaching, anointed preaching, preachers and people don't speak about themselves. They speak of who? Christ. Isn't that what, isn't that what Christ said? The Spirit of God will take the things of mine and show them. He will not speak of Himself. He'll take the things of mine and show, show them to you. You want a Spirit-filled church? You want to hear a Spirit-filled preacher? Number one, He's not going to say that about Himself. But number two, you're going to hear him preach Christ. Yeah. You know, Christ came down here to bear witness of the Father, did he? No man knoweth the Father but the Son. Neither knoweth any man the Son but the Father, and he whom the Father will, the Son will reveal it. Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the Spirit, God the Father, bears witness of the Son, didn't he? God didn't speak out loud. Just a couple, three times. 
in the New Testament, did it? And it was all about His Son. One, one was personally to His Son. When, when Christ said, Father, glorify your, your, Thy name. He said, I've glorified it and will glorify it again. And then to the Apostle, This is My Son in whom I'm well pleased. And as baptism, This is My Son. That's all God's got to say to, to human beings. And the Father bears witness of the Son. The Holy Spirit bears witness of the Son. That's what He does. That's His purpose. Lead us and guide us in all truth. The truth as it is in Jesus Christ. He said, The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. <laughs> Are you poor? I look around here at some pretty nicely dressed uh, people got some pretty nice cars out there in the parking lot uh, there's none of us in here uh, physically materially poor but I hope every person in here is spiritually poor I hope every one of us feel poor and needy don't you because that's who this gospel is for we, we say that all the time don't we this gospel is just for sinners we say that all the time Christ said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners. This is for those that don't have any goodness. Those that don't have any righteousness. Those that don't have any wisdom. Those that have no redeeming qualities. Nothing to recommend them to God. Poor. Lepers. Oh my. This gospel's for the poor. Poor in spirit. And the Lord's got to do that to us, doesn't He? He's got to make us poor in spirit. Blessed. Isn't that the first thing the Lord said in His Sermon on the Mount? What was the first thing He said? First blessing that He pronounced upon people. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. He said the poor have the... He said, go tell John again that the poor have the gospel preached. <laughs> you ever get tired of hearing this gospel? If you ever quit being poor and needy, you get tired of it. You want something else? Oh, he sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. And brethren, you've got a preacher right here. you got a good preacher right here. One of the best. Folks down in Fairmont have a good preacher. Yes. You know, I, I said this, uh, where it was in Newcastle, and, and I say this carefully, and I, I mean it every word, I mean it. I mean no disrespect to these men. But Henry May has his ministry's over. It's over. I mean, people. Are st- I'm still listening to all, but his preaching. It's over. Scott Richardson's gone. Right there's Henry May. That's right. Don't brag on the dead and kill the living. I'm just the one to say that because no man esteems Henry Mayhan higher than I do. Okay. But man, he would he would say this very thing if he was standing here right now. Right over there, Scott Richardson. You need to hear him. God's not left himself without a witness. When Elijah was gone, Elisha was raised up. When huh? when Paul was gone, Timothy was raised up. Some said that we've got Paul. We've got a Paul. don't do that. Don't do that. You got a preacher. You got a good preacher. Man, oh man. And when Christ preaches, he he preaches through a man. Preaches through me. That's amazing, isn't it? And I'm thankful. 
I'm thankful. He sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. Verse 18, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To heal the brokenhearted. The Scripture says that God, God said, I, I wound and I heal. First thing the Lord's got to do to show you, to preach to you the unsearchable riches of Christ make you poor. <laughs> Basically, the hunger and thirst got to make you hungry, doesn't it? To, to, to want to eat Christ's flesh. It's got to make you thirsty to want to drink Christ's blood, doesn't it? It's got to make you poor to want the unsearchable riches of Christ, doesn't it? But it's got to break your heart over sin for this gospel to mean anything to you. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The gospel is this blessed balm of Gilead, isn't it? <laughs> you know what the balm of Gilead was made up of? Myrrh, principally. That's, that's it. You know where myrrh comes from? Amazing. It's a tree. It's an evergreen tree. And they don't cut it down. They don't cut it down. They, they slice it, the tree. They cut it. They wound it. And it's the, the, literally the blood that comes out of that tree <laughs> that has these healing qualities. And it has a sweet-smelling savor to it. Not only a sweet-smelling savor, but there's nothing quite like it, a salve that will heal, uh, bind up wounds. An evergreen tree wounded and the blood is the balm. Now, what's that talking about? He sent me to preach this gospel, and this is what healed. When the Lord sent the, the disciples out to preach, He said, Go preach the gospel. Heal the lepers, raise the dead, give sight to the blind, isn't it? Well, this gospel is what does that, isn't it? When, when he told, go, go tell John again that the, the lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised. Brethren, I still see that happening, don't you? Not as much as I'd like to, but we do see it. We see people who sit and hear and uh, listen to the gospel, listen to the gospel for a year and never hear a thing. And all of a sudden, they hear. Their ears have been opened. Their deaf ears. Their blind eyes to see God, to see themselves. They now see God. This couple... Uh, started attending about five, six years ago. He's an electrical engineer and she's a nurse and they're, they're you know, gifted, uh, humanly speaking, intelligent people. And this man can do anything. And, uh, but they say he's, he was Catholic. And they sat for four or five years and they couldn't get out that back door fast enough. And I couldn't even get, you know, they'd go whiz by me. She just whiz by me. And we, how many times, man, did we say, what's going through their minds? Why are they, why are they coming here? You don't even speak to me. <laughs> Later, Brother Donnie, the lady said, I didn't like him. I thought he was mean. thought he was rude. Talking about me. Didn't like what I was saying. But she kept coming. <laughs> you tell me if I didn't have God. And I, and she wrote me a letter in in that time, and it wasn't very nice. <laughs> she rebuked me over something. Don't had any dealing with. She rebuked me in a letter. I didn't answer. Well, it wasn't long, and Lord broke both their hearts. And now the last ones to leave. <laughs> The last one. They don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. 
our dear brother and sister now. Oh my. The Lord's got to break your heart. They broke their hearts. The Lord's got to break your heart. This gospel. Oh my. It's, 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 it's healing. It's healing. He has sent me, verse 18, to preach deliverance to the captives. Oh my. Deliverance to the captive. Pharisees said, we'd be Abraham's seed. We've never been captive to anybody. Oh man. They were captive to Satan right as they spoke. Some of you were in false religion. You, Johnny, my, my. You can sure talk about captivity, can't you? And you were preaching all this freedom. That's what Pentecostalists, they, talk, they brag on all this. You know, what's that scripture? It says, promising everybody liberty when they themselves are captive. People need deliverance from these deliverance places. <laughs> you know, every one of these places got the name deliverance on. They need deliverance from that. <laughs> They're captives to it, aren't they? Oh, He sent me to deliver the captives. Captive, bound by the flesh, bound by Satan, bound by sin, bound by lust, bound, bound, bound. And do you not... Do you not still believe Do you not still feel bound by the flesh? Do you not still think if I, like Paul said, in my flesh dwells no good thing. What I want to do, I can't do. What I don't want to do, I want to do. Do you not feel that? Feel like I'm just so bound. Who's gonna? Who shall deliver me? And Paul answered him, answered for himself. Oh, thank God! There's a deliverer, Jesus Christ. Every time we hear the gospel, don't we feel like we've been delivered? Deliverance to the captive. Our Lord said, This day, and brethren, I'm preaching, Brother Larry's preaching this gospel. I'm trying to preach this gospel. And today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Somebody, anybody, needs real deliverance. It's in a deliverer. Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18. He sent me to recover the sight of the blind. My, my. You know, I'm still blinded by myself at times, aren't you? I'm still blinded by the things of this world, aren't you? I'm still blinded. 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 I still need deliverance. I need this gospel. I need to keep hearing this gospel. Don't you? Open blind eyes. We got some people we know that their eyes are blind. Oh Lord, open their eyes. Open their eyes. He sent me to set at liberty them that are bruised. That means those that are beaten up and bloodied, and those that are, the, the, the adversary is, is, is pummeled them like Christian faithful. Remember that story of Christian and his companion faithful that left the, the, the straight and narrow way and got off in bypass meadow and then they ended up they fell asleep and they ended up in Doubting Castle. Remember that? Oh brother Donnie, we love that story, don't we? Lord had to put our brother John in prison to tell us that, didn't he? It's, it, it, they ended up in Downing Castle, and, they, they, and it says that old giant despair would go and take them both out of the dungeon every now and then, and just give them a thrashing. You <laughs> go through this world and all around us, and troubles and trials and tribulations, doubts and fears, and lust and failures and falls, and everything we go through is just beaten and battered and bloody. Somebody get us out of here. Somebody come help us. 
said at Liberty. <laughs> One of these days going to be real free. And you never feel so free, do you, as when you're hearing this gospel. Liberty. Liberty that's in Christ. Oh, my. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. <laughs> I need another hour. Acceptable year of the Lord. Now what this is alluding to is a year of jubilee. Over Leviticus 25, I believe it is. A year of jubilee. That everybody that was in debt, everybody that was in prison, after 49 years, 50 years, on the 50th year, they blew a trumpet and said, anybody in debt, anybody's lost everything, anybody in prison, turn them loose! <laughs> now, but if you were in prison, that'd be the sweetest sound you ever heard when that trumpet sound. Like Rahab, that, heart, that, that, that trumpet sounded, Rahab. And, you know, that was noise to the ears of everybody in Jericho. What's that sound? Tell them to hush. And Rahab said, no, tell them to blow it louder. That's my deliverance. He's coming to get me. Well, that just every 50 years. You had to wait 50 years, Brother Larry. We, you and I don't have 50 more years. <laughs> and you're a lot older than I am. <laughs> the scripture says, count your days. We got days. You know what he said, Brother Larry? Today. This day is the scripture fulfilling your ears. Year of Jubilee. Acceptable year of the Lord. Right now. Right now, today is a day of salvation. Whenever the gospel is preached, this is the day. This is your day. <laughs> if, you, if you need to deliver, if you need healing, if you're poor and needy, if you're broken hearted, and you know this gospel, we talk about the gospel, it's Christ and Him crucified, it. pardon for sin, the peace that endureth, righteousness that endureth. But it's all, it also, it's all included. The gospel begins with a sovereign God reigning and ruling over all things, purposing all things, predestinating everything, down to the very hairs of on your head. Everything about you, everything about your family, every aspect of your life, everything, every single thing in your life and everyone in your life, God has predestinated and purposed it according to His will. And He's too kind to do wrong. He's too good to do evil. He's too wise to err. And He loves you too much to not do exactly what is best for you. Now that is good news, isn't it? That will heal your broken heart. No matter how bad the marriage is, no matter how rebellious the children are, no matter what sickness you go through, what death, whatever you endure, here's the good news. Thy God reigneth. And it's all good. And it's all according to His purpose. He's not a bystander in the affairs of men. He's working all things after the counsel of His own will. And for His people, for their good, for His glory. And they're going, oh, buddy, when it's all over. You see, we need, we, oh, that they were wise and would consider their latter end. Just wait till it ends. That's why the Scriptures keep saying, wait, 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 wait till it ends. Don't get too upset. Don't get too down, okay? Wait and see the end. <laughs> it's going to end good. Real good. And we're all going to say... What were we worried about? What were we so upset about? Yes, it's sadness. Yes, it's real sorrow. Yes, it's grief. Well, here's the good news. And this is the only way that 
Job could console himself and all that grief he endured. What did he say? What did he say? He consoled himself by saying, It's the Lord. Eli, it's the Lord. Job, the Lord gave. The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right. This is this is the balm of Gilead. This is the this is healing for the broken heart. This is deliverance from being captive to our doubts and fears and worries and trouble. This is sight for the blind. We've got to see beyond this veil of tears, don't we? Acceptable year of the Lord. Acceptable year of the Lord. You know, <laughs> I like to put it this way. God is accepting all applications for mercy. <laughs> you ever applied for a job, you know, and there were like a thousand applicants. <laughs> you go, I ain't going to get that job. There ain't no way. Somebody better than me. Somebody better than me is going to get that job. Well, I got good news for you. It's ain't for the best. <laughs> Everybody that applies, even the worst. The worst. Me? Would you have me? Accept it. Come on, man. I'm a thief. All I've ever done is been a thief all my life. I've never done any good. Come on, man. It's acceptable. Any close the book? That's the last word. <laughs> Those are gracious words, aren't they? Oh, may the Lord let us hear those words in our hearts and come to cry. Okay. Well, 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 well. I'm...